Welcome to Mirepoix Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schubach. I'm a writer, theater maker, and food enthusiast, and I'm taking you on a journey through food, family, and culture via the lens of food practice and tradition. Our guest today is Zena Baltaji. Up first, a word from our sponsors. This is Mirepoix. Hi, Zena. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Joe. It's really good to see you. Reunited and it feels so good. For sure. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's a been couple a minute. minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our first question is, who the heck are you? Well, um, all right. My name is Zena Baltaji. Um, and it's just said Zena, like, you know, two syllables. And um, I'm an artist and visual artist, performing artist. I'm like a whatever it takes artist actually. And, um, and an educator, really love teaching. I've spent um, years teaching kids and in nonprofit programs and in very different uh, like uh, uh, environments. And uh, uh, that was around two years ago. And then I decided to go to grad school and kind of like level myself up and get a certificate for all the things that I already care about and think yes. about and give myself time for research. And like, and that was really cool, you know, and not at the same time, it's grad school. But it was, you know, it gave me uh, the time and the space to find the language for the things that I was doing. I don't know if it made me like, be a better artist like you are an artist that just is um I don't know if academia could make you an artist but it gave me the language around all of the work that I do um because it gave me the time to read <laughs> yeah you know you, you get to like live in a moment in a bubble outside of like like life worry environments to a certain extent to a certain extent, depending on like, of course, your grad program, your budget, and your background, and you know what baggage you bring into it too. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, and that's where we met. That's where we met. Yeah, and we were in two different programs. I think that was the cool thing about uh, UC Davis as a tier one research school is that we were able to hop in between. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah different programs and you were in you graduated with your it's dramatic art dramatic arts phd uh, right uh, mfa mfa okay cool oh we were buddy buddy with the phd performance studies folks so yeah sort of sisters i mean like the mfa and the phd might as well be one i mean yeah. you were working side by side yeah, uh, yeah. and i love that you've been teaching kids in high school Oh yeah, making it happen. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. we're all trying to do. Definitely uh, done it, and it's 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 rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Rewarding. Totally exhausting, but rewarding. Um, what do you usually say is your favorite food? I don't know. I mean, I'm Lebanese, so obviously Lebanese food. Hello. And <laughs> obviously, the best food in the world is the Lebanese food at the hands of my mom. Oh. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And my dad. Yeah. I mean, um, 
I come from a, a line of bakers as well. My father uh, uh, is a baker and my mom and my dad had a wholesale pita pocket lavash bakery, um, uh, uh, Arabic bread bakery in Stockton, California. And it started off as a little store um, and grew to a full like wholesale bakery where we delivered bread to the grocery stores wow. and the restaurants from all the way down to Fresno up to the Bay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that was my growing years, the first 16 years of my life. Um, yeah, mom and dad at the bakery. So I mean, like fresh baked bread and food. I mean, we're a foodie family. Yeah. We have to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I big mean, part. Yeah, and there's like a big joke in our household amongst the doctors, because um, the doctor will always like, you know, told my dad of like, you know, we got to reduce this and this for diabetes and blood pressure. Yeah. And all of our food is healthy. Yeah. Like, it's all healthy food. Our problem is that we just eat too much of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I got to I love a bowl of fruit before bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a spot. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not really answering the question. Let's just answer it directly. My go-to favorite food, like especially in college, is I would chop myself a huge bowl of tabbouleh. Oh, yeah. Just a huge bowl of tabbouleh. Just grab all the groceries of the parsley and all of that. And um, I make a huge tonsura, like a, just a, the biggest bowl you could find. And I will eat that for the oh. week. Or the remaining, I love really so much. and that's like college life of like Lebanese, uh, figuring out how to like have meals on the yeah. go and all of that. And then like if you're broke, buckets of hummus. Like it's really just four ingredients: it's garbanzo beans, olive oil, lemon juice. That's it. Yeah. Oh, tahini, tahini. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget um, the tahini. And that was like college life. And then you could literally make that with any bean. So if I want, I'm vegetarian. I want yeah. more protein, basically making hummus with black beans, yeah. you know, kidney beans, any bean, fava beans are like really filling. So like I'm gonna make fava bean thing then like that will fill me up. So I'm very like into uh, making creative Lebanese food. Like yeah. um, one of my favorite bites of all time is like a, a, a chunk of pita dipped in baba ganoush and then like pressed down into tabbouleh. There you it go. Pulls it back up, you know. Oh my god. <laughs> That's my fave. Actually, it's interesting. I mean, my my cultural background and vector of history is is not Middle Eastern, but the neighborhood that I grew up in in Chicago um, is actually six zero six two five is our zip code. is one of the yeah. most zip codes in the country. And there's a huge um, Persian and Lebanese population, both in that neighborhood. And yeah, there's like 18 like Middle Eastern and Middle Eastern adjacent restaurants. Yeah, and, and like three grocers. So we uh, we never were uh, lacking. Yes. <laughs> lacking really, yeah. in between. I mean, we definitely, I mean, that's definitely like an immigrant minority thing is creating these enclaves of communities. Mm -hmm. And Chicago is one of those places. Michigan, uh, lots of Swana, Southwest Asian, North African folks in Michigan. Yeah. Um, and this in California too, like enclaves. You could go to, you know, 
uh, Glendale's known for Armenian neighborhood and there's definitely Iranian neighborhoods and yeah yeah for sure um, um that we, we're already getting to some of the meat of it I love it yeah so that like goes into like the racial construct actually, I know it's everything like, right? all of that like heavy <laughs> <Connected. shit. laughs> uh, what's your favorite food and beverage pairing can be uh, alcoholic or non-alcoholic <laughs> okay 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 so every single day I have to end my evening with zhurot, which is a calming tea that like most households of like of the the region of like uh swana region is uh and it's an herbs that like usually our moms could make and you could get it from a store but like um we mix it together and it consists of like chamomile anise seeds um rose petals and it's just like this really calming tea and and there's a word zhurot is what it's called and it's every single night i just need my tea before i go to bed it's amazing it sounds yeah. amazing. it's just like it's like helps me sleep um and these seeds kind of make you a little sleepy oh do they yeah so they're all like calming teas so and it helps you like helps me digest Oh, uh-huh. so like it's like nice to like you know it's this thing that helps you digest and like calms you down before bed and it's just kind of like it's just like a ritual um yes. that I have from my my mom. <laughs> we get them from our parents and our ancestors. All these rituals that we like we don't know why we do them, but they're right. like a part of our lives. And I can't not do it. It just feels yeah. good. Rituals um, huge, especially in this time, you know. Yeah. And you just need to like channel all those, those those family rituals and like those things that like our parents did that we don't know. We can look up and there is actual herbal remedies and like like it is legit like medicine what they offer to us in their knowledge. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like it's cool to tap into it. I guess my favorite is like on a hot summer day is ironic it's like really raining and thunderstorm yeah. outside right now but like uh what is uh, Hamaika oh yeah fucking love Hamaika yeah yeah got that it's from good. Mexico that's like Mexico drink a hot summer day you got a glass of Hamaika with so much ice in it and it's just yeah. like mm, yeah so hydrating <laughs> yeah um so yeah, I think like if I'm out and about, because usually, I don't know, if I'm not eating Lebanese food, I'm usually eating Mexican food. <laughs> well, that's, I think my answer is like Mexican and a margarita. Like, yeah, it's iconic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, I mean, like I'm a California baby. Yeah. So and Lebanese Mexican food just are like, they're just like a yes. marriage meant to happen, you know? Like, like the bully and hummus and a burrito is bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the fusions are fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a huge Lebanese food culture in Mexico itself, I think. Yeah, there's a huge migration yeah. of Lebanese population, around 3 million that came from Lebanon, I think. Um, through one of the wars was the civil war yeah and uh a, a lot of Lebanese people migrated through to Mexico and didn't go to the states they stayed yeah. in Mexico and so there's like a whole generation of like um of Mexican Lebanese folks it's yeah. really beautiful and cool because um 
ancestrally maybe Lebanese, but like they're Mexican, like they're yeah, they yeah. born and raised. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's just super dope. That's super yeah. Dope. Yeah. It's fascinating how those those movements of humans affect food and food practice. Um, I watched something about the um, I can't remember what it's called, but the way that meat is layered and then yeah, you know, um, cooked the shaved meats. How that affected Mexican cuisine nationally over time. Yeah, super fascinating. Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite hot breakfast? I've been craving ful. Ful is this uh, Lebanese breakfast of fava yeah. beans. Yeah, I've had it. Um, yeah. You could, I think, F O U L, like ful. Yeah. And it makes you full. Like, it's yeah. like one of those things where it's like, I'm going to eat some ful because I'm not going to eat for like eight hours after this until oh, dinner. Wow. Because it's like a filling, hearty breakfast that, like, if you were to take on the day, like, yeah. ful and some bread and a cucumber, it's just fantastic. Um, can never go wrong nope. yeah there's um, a little place in chicago called taste of lebanon and they have fool and it's fantastic yeah i mean it's just like really good way to start your day especially if you if you've been drinking all night you're just like ugh, just having that in the morning like just to fill you is fantastic oh yeah that's smart um, what's your favorite theme park or county fair or street festival food? I hate theme parks. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate fairs. I hate festivals. They're not for me. Yeah. All due respect the people to go to them, but like, yeah, it's just these you... exhausting places for me of like, yeah. kind of like making me have fun when I'm, it's just, you know, <laughs> I'll try to make me have any, fun. Any food you pick up on a corner or from a vendor? Yeah, so, okay, theme park, there's nothing like getting a churro from a churro stand. Yeah. Like, you just yeah. can't go wrong. Nothing, I like, there's, of course it's pandemic now, but I mean, I miss going to um, like East LA and getting an elote from the elote stand, which is corn, mayo, cheese, chili. It's just so good. Just like, and then you just stand there on the side of the sidewalk and just like eat your elote and it just drip all over of like white sauce. It's so do good. Do you eat it on the cob or do you get it cob? Always on the cob. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy the mess. I always yeah, just yeah. use the cob. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can use the stick to pick your teeth out. That's true. From the corn. That's right. Yeah. And if you don't, you know, you don't get the stick. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it tastes so good. So good. And it's just a warm churro from a churro stand. So good. Yeah. And they would have like, there's a Disneyland churros. Like, you, like I've never had a bad churro. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. It would have to be like three days old or something. Otherwise, they still eat it. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my god. Oh, I love like we would buy like bags of churros and like put them on the counter at home and like eat them or whatever. But like then you'd watch the bag slowly turn translucent because the oil is like oh yeah rubbing off on the paper bag. Oh man, so good. What's a what's a food? And you've kind of connected some of this already. But what's a food you eat to feel comforted? Zatar. Mm -hmm. 
That's also survival guide for SWATA college students. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bowl of tabbouleh, bucket of hummus, and make sure your zakat is on stock. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, yeah, there's so many, like, especially, like, in, like, more economically rough times, too. Um, just having zatar on deck is, is just huge. Yeah. Um, and that is, zatar is uh, consistent of just thyme, sesame seeds. Um, we mix little ground walnuts in it too. So that it's like, um, we roast the walnuts. I, we put extra, like, you know, little extra and everything. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just also because I'm vegetarian. So I always yeah. add like nuts and beans and like quinoa or like anything that's like protein into yeah. my foods. Um, and I just incorporate it in there, um, especially since I try to avoid soy products yeah. as a vegetarian. Yeah. Soy is just not good for you. Understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a manushi is just that zatar olive oil, spread it on any piece of bread or anything and just yeah. eat it. Were you making bread. some of that the other day? Yeah. So yeah. I used to make that. I was eating it the other day. That I used to make that too for like um, grad grad open houses and yeah. stuff it's still like easy to make okay. i get the um of course it's not the same if like my parents are bakers so they do make bread um from scratch um yeah. but there is this naan that you get from the grocery store that's like this flatbread naan yeah and it like does really well for the manusha so then like yeah. you just put your herbs on it and you just bake it and you got a manusha. there was a store right by where we where i grew up that uh you could buy like a bag of and it was they used pita but like yeah. like five of them on top of each other and it was fantastic yeah yeah i mean if you're in a middle eastern grocery store and they have like the fresh baked ones yes. like there's nothing like a manusha fresh baked bread it's just the smell of it that's like so comforting like yeah. it's so comforting and then the glass of tea it's just like so, mm, i had a friend have you ever seen those like pizza like cookers that like use a laser they have like a arm that comes up and it Don't. like shoots down heat and it rotates the pizza cool but they would use that to heat those up um yeah. in their dorm room <laughs> nice <laughs> i was like hey that's smart smart yeah, yeah. that fresh and warm is like oh my gosh <sighs> yeah yeah so manushi is the comfort food forever yeah Oh, yeah. I want some. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> uh, what's a food you eat when you are feeling under the weather? It depends on how under the weather I am. If I'm really sick, I just need my zuhurot, my mommy tea. That evening tea is also the is also bloating tea. It's oh, also yeah. like medicine tea. It's like my go-to everything. I just add honey and lemon to the same tea, and now I have my medicine tea. Um, and I'll just. It's just that and crackers. Yeah. I like, it's probably too much sugar, which I've been told about is that like, I, when I get sick, the only thing I could stomach is like Maria cookies, uh -huh. you know, those round cookies and they come in like the, the, the roll yeah. of cookies, the Maria cookies. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like literally all I have an appetite for until I feel better. Um, lentil soup. That's mm -hmm. my soup. I guess everyone has their go-to soup. Yeah. Um, and mine is, is lentil soup and it's really basic how I make it. It's yeah. just like water, lentils, uh, 
I like chopping carrots in there mm-hmm. and then I just let it simmer until it becomes completely liquid like including the carrots just like yeah. just soft and liquid and then I like uh pan fry some some onions mm. while they're dark and I don't put it in the soup I put it afterwards because I uh-huh. like the onion like not to be like soggy and like inside the soup and then I like you know fry them up all like you know roasty and then I put it in the soup and that's pretty much my soup um, so it's like pretty basic and that's like my I'm sick I need a bucket of soup some people it's like chicken noodle or mm-hmm. what would be your go-to soup or like your go-to I'm sick and I can't like stomach anything yeah I'll do like I love a matzo ball <clears throat> and um I also love pho like I love pho, anything pho. with like too much broth and maybe some like herbs that I can imagine have medicinal properties whether or not they do <laughs> yeah totally pho is just medicine it's so good if I've and drank it- too much I'm getting yellow curry usually like Thai yellow curry yeah that's uh which I, most curry has like um a, a handful of anti-inflammatories in there so that's probably actually related but it's the turmeric yeah as well like I really like spicy that's why I like making like just bland liquidy soup and then adding the spice oh yeah yeah and pho does that like you can get like super spicy pho and like it'll open up your nostrils yeah and your whole face <laughs> it's just like yeah yeah it depends on what ailment I'm trying to cure right yeah if I have a- <laughs> want it all open but you know if i'm if i'm if it's my stomach i probably make it as bland as possible yeah totally just like bland yeah yeah it's funny like you said some of that is like i think some of that's related to ritual and some of that's related to like the actual sort of measurable medicinal quality of food right exactly yeah neither you or i eat chicken but like homemade chicken soup like they've proven that like there's actually like uh like increase your serotonin levels and make oh, you yeah. For feel happy <laughs> that's right well yeah i mean it's just it's there's there's a reason why like campbell's chicken noodle soup is like consumed like like yeah. they've made it cons- like we have to be careful with that too is how consumerism tells us what is good for us and what yes. isn't that's right and like, I think it's just really important to, yeah, packaged food is just not good. I just right. try to avoid packaged food at yeah. all costs. Yeah. Well, that's how I, I think about like with actually like to your point about soy, like I eat soy, but it's yeah. embedded inside so many things totally. that I avoid it. I, like I have a certain amount of avoidance so I don't end up eating soy at every meal because that's where you could like mess stuff up that's that's the point is that like if we were to just have soybeans like yeah. at a mama's meal or whatever like in, yeah. in, in quantities it can be good for you it's yeah. good for you but it, again it's just it's used in every single vegan product there is yes soy cheese all the morning star i mean i love a morning star vegan hot dog i don't know what the fuck is in it no <laughs> <laughs> but you know like those morning star corn dogs and it's just yep. like you could read the ingredients and it's just chemicals yep. <laughs> So yeah, that, that turns into like an every once in a while thing, not like a, yeah. well, I'm going to eat a fake hot dog every day. Well, that, yeah. might, that might get you in the end, you know? Totally. And it's just, it's sinister soy. It's in so much. I know. And they do it with corn too, right? Like there's embedded corn in like, particularly corn syrup in yeah. rolls 
you know and yeah it doesn't it's so bizarre yeah not even in just our food but like in probably like cosmetics and like well the namesake of the show which is a classic base to many recipes is mirepoix this three ingredient holy trinity takes many forms all over the globe and manifests in different ways what's your mirepoix what are ingredients that you use on the regular to start a cooking process okay so for any base you pick one whether it be garlic or onion Mm-hmm. And then you need a citrus. Yeah. You need a lemon juice. Yeah. I would choose a lemon. And then I need an oil. Mm-hmm. And so I'm already at three things right now. Yeah. So <laughs> garlic, lemon. And since it's not good to as much as I would just have olive oil and I would drink it like yes, straight. Same. Like it's not good to cook olive oil and everything. And since I'm trying to be like, you know, open and diverse and I'm on an island and I only have three ingredients. Yeah. Is garlic, lemon, and avocado oil. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because then you could cook with it and you could have avocado oil raw. So yeah. like, and then I would go on the island, go foraging around because I have all of my staples to make like good foods. Yeah. And like, yeah. So that's like, yeah, I don't think I could live without garlic. Yeah, lemon. Lemon's huge. And oil. Yeah. Lemon is every single day. Like, I eat the peel. I eat the whole lemon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Well, it's good for you. You still eat. There's a lot of nutrients in the lemon peel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. When eating peels, it's important that like there's a lot of like added plastics and whatever to all of our fruits and vegetables um, in the States here, especially unless you've grown your own food. Um, so it's like peeling off that first layer yeah, and like eating the inside peel of the lemon. Just, yeah. you know, I don't want people to be like all eating like the whole lemon. Like, Do it on top. Yeah. Like it's an apple. <laughs> there are like plastics and carcinogens that like wrap all of our fruits and vegetables totally flows. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of stuff with lemons on TikTok, like like candied lemon peels and pickled lemon peels and like uh, utilizing it in ways that I hadn't totally visualized before. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Lemons, who knew? <laughs> lemons, they're just so important. <laughs> uh, the acid is huge. It, it is. Anything you're, you're whipping up. Yeah. Um, Related, what's in your fridge? What are the items that you can always find in your kitchen and pantry? Okay, there will always be zatar mm-hmm. time. That's just always on stock. Like it's almost like towards the end of the of the of of the of this of my zatar mix. Like I always plan to prepare yes. more zatar before yeah. the end of the zatar because yeah. there's nothing stressful than not having the zatar. Ah. <laughs> um. You'll always see zatar. You'll always see olive oil. Um, uh, Labna is a, a Middle Eastern, like, it's the space between yogurt and cheese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, my I didn't mom... know what it was called, but I've had that, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of, like, closest to, like, sour cream. Yeah. Uh, but and it's it's a uh, Lebanese is very for, to the Swana region, and it's I, I make it by hand. Ooh, um, wow. My mom showed me how, and uh, and also like 
there's also ways because we all have like you know as we grow older we get different food allergies and a lot of the members in our family became like lactose intolerant oh, so we yeah. figured she figured out how to make it out of like uh like lactose free labne, oh yeah and all sorts of different kinds of labne. um but it is a staple i've been thinking and trying to uh, go vegan mm-hmm. but it's just my i just the labne is really like a big part of my diet Mm-hmm. And I think that it actually gives me a lot of probiotics. So if I do remove the lebni from my diet, I need to find, like, maybe start drinking kombucha or something. Yeah. It's just like it smells. <laughs> <laughs> People love it. But People, I love just, it. People love it. Yeah. But um, yeah, the probiotics are important. Gut health is important. So I know if I ever were to remove it, that I would need to add it to Lop it. it there will always be lebna, zathar, olive oil and a bag of tortilla chips. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, every single you meal. take life. a meal to the next level. You think, yeah, you're like, having, you know. That's something I think was one of your questions I should have said is like, what do you have with like every single day? Oh, uh-huh. I literally have tortilla chips with every meal, like every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just gonna add a little crunch. Oh, amen. <laughs> All right, you're nine years old. Who's in your kitchen? Who's doing the cooking and what are they making? Depends on where I'm at. So I was in Lebanon at Mm -hmm. nine. My mom Mm -hmm. sent me to Lebanon to live with my grandma and my aunt. And I was there from like age six to nine years old. Oh, wow. And I lived in the northern mountain part of Lebanon, Minya, as well as, and went to school in Beirut as well and went and lived in Beirut with my auntie. And so I can imagine waking up in the morning and the tea being on the stove and like my grandma making manushis like fresh. And uh, I just have memories. It kind of brings me to tears and gives me yeah. like shivers to think about Allah Yerhava to my grandma, rest in peace. But kaku uh, chamis uh, is also something that's done like like in the morning, mm-hmm. like you'll see your grandma doing it. And uh, so kaku chamis, neish, and a big pot of tea. Mm-hmm. And uh I just have memories of like going into the kitchen like really early, being the first one to wake up, seeing grandma there, and just like them coming straight out of the oven. Kaku um, chamis is like this breaded thing with uh, seeds in it, and mm-hmm. it's just delicious. Um, and it's also like an Arabic street food too. You get chamis because it's like easy street food. Um, and kak. Uh, and tea and a manusha and some tea and like I would dip my, my ushi in my tea with like and she'd put out the lemna and the olives and a oh, cucumber yeah. you know Persian cucumbers with every like that those little short cucumbers there yeah. every, we just have it like with every meal like just like just chomp on a cucumber and yeah. I just like just remember the olive oil and the tea just like oh, uh-huh. down my hands like down to my elbows and just being a super hot mess of a kid yeah just, like having the the that's so much like so much joy and like love and like just feeling like at home just waking up to that smell in the morning and just like that warm tea and the kakakamis coming out of the oven and dripping down like it's just so good it's such a good memory that's so lovely yeah and there's some i have some other really really good memories of that time actually nine years old was a good time 
when did how old were you when you moved back you said I was right at right at nine so like that would be my that was probably my last year there Mm -hmm. of my stay there um and I'm really happy my 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 mom my dad sent us there uh, time I understand the economic struggle of why they sent us there um Mm -hmm. because they were building themselves and building a bakery and like you know had these three kids and my mom had to work alongside my dad and it, it was it was you know a lot of like I don't want to say economic hardship, but a lot of like um, strain, like strain growing. Like they're trying to like grow and like find their their American dream. And so, uh, and sending us to Lebanon, it helped me. Like it got me to be attached to that side of the family that stayed there. Yeah, yeah. And I like it, it taught me the language. I went to Arabic school and learned <laughs> Arabic, and like um, in that relationship of like being able to run between auntie and auntie's house and between my grandparents' homes because they're like running distance from each other. So like, oh yeah, yeah. So like running from one grandpa's house to the other grandpa's house, and it's just like that special thing that like I wouldn't have had in the states. Um, and I'm really happy she sent us there and that we got to have that experience. Like yeah, being kids in a yeah and that moment in Lebanon too was really peaceful yeah so it was like, how was that transition back I mean it was it is it was strange because um I mean English technically my first my first language of course as well as like Arabic at home um but it was strange coming back because I, I came back at 10 years old or so mm-hmm. so at that point I'm starting uh I came back starting like fifth grade it's fourth or fifth, I can never remember. Fifth grade. Yeah, it's all blur. I mean, this was years ago. <laughs> <laughs> We're old now. But I remember very clearly teachers like picking on me and like telling other students of like um of like how my English wasn't strong enough, uh, because I had like a very little accent from coming back from Lebanon, um, which got assimilated right out of me real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and a lot of like questioning of my intelligence of like just treating me like I'm just like this like this immigrant of this land that doesn't know much that needs to be either like coddled or like or I would get like really just teased it, it was painful returning yeah. back to school um yeah. I would come home crying like every single day my mom that first year when I came back from Lebanon she switched me to like four different schools in Stockton because oh, really? I would just come home crying and make yeah. her like go to the principal and be like, I need to be removed. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it wasn't like there were students um, because there's like peer and student teasing shit like that, especially going into middle school of like, you know, middle schoolers just suck, but it would be Hard like way. the treatment from the, 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 the teachers yeah. that was the worst and the most painful. Yeah. And, I remember when I got back from Lebanon, this is a story that like makes me, it's good to release it. But I remember, okay, this is a traumatic one, but I remember being at Cardin School, which is in Stockton. And it's like this, it was after my mom hopped me between some different schools and she was like, all right, I'm plugging you into this private school. And it's a private Catholic school. Um, of course, Muslim in a private Catholic school that has yeah. <laughs> but um I remember f- there was this one day and I was generally always to myself I didn't have any friends so I definitely was that kid at recess that was like in the corner like doing their homework 
and <laughs> um and I remember we were in the bathroom me and like some and other girls and there was a teacher in there and it was like recess and everyone's peeing and uh there's like it's fifth grade and all the other girls were like saying how high they could kick uh-huh. they're like doing these high kicks yeah and like all the girls were just like, "Huck, ha, ha, I could kick." And of course, I'm like, you know, ten years old. I'm like, I could do a high kick, and I do a massive high kick all the way up in the air. <laughs> and um, there was a paper dispenser on the wall or whatever, and it was hooked like a on a like a frame, uh-huh. it was like a metal dispenser. And I don't know, it, like I kicked it off of the wall, and I was like, "Oh shit, oh shit!" <laughs> of course, they say, "Oh shit!" Out loud, and I was like you know, like scared out of my mind. Like I just kicked this yeah. thing. So I pick it up and I'm like, oh, I didn't break it. I'm like, thank God. And I just hook it back onto the wall. Anyways, a teacher sees it. She sees me do my high kick. Everyone else is high kicking away. Yeah. But because that paper dispenser fell off the wall, I was suspended from school for uh, two weeks. What? Yeah, for violent behavior. Yeah. I was crying. Yeah, because um, I'm in the principal's office. They call my dad, and I mean, my dad's literally been up since two in the morning baking bread. So yeah, like, yeah. just to pick up my freaking kid. <laughs> Anyways, and she's just like convinced into telling my dad and making me admit that I am an aggressive, violent person that purposely was kicking people and trying mm-hmm. to harm and kick people. Mm-hmm. And she just kept telling me like I like she's not going to let up until I admit it and say it out loud that I intended on kicking people and I just kept crying of like that wasn't what I meant like I was just trying to show my high kick yeah (laughs) (laughs) like I could high kick too (laughs) and I just like crying and she just kept like you know when like there's someone older than you and you have no power and they're trying to convince you that what you feel and what you are saying is a complete lie yeah yeah and that your truth is not the truth and that she knows better yeah she knows what my intent was and she knows what I did and all these things yeah and for and every time I would try and like say like my side of the story she'd be like you're not helping and she would add more to my sentence of like yeah of like basically suspension and at some point I look at my dad and my dad is just like he doesn't even know what the fuck to do he's just yeah at some point he's just like Zeta let's just go home yeah there's nothing to do so he just takes me home and I'm like daddy like you know I didn't mean and he's like I know it's just it is what it is and I was just suspended and at home for like two weeks and I just like it was such a realization yeah yeah I mean there's a lot of realizations there like adult infallible the system is rigged yeah, you know? so, and I mean we're subject to it at such a young age yeah. and the thing that sucks is we don't know like what it is we just know that it doesn't feel good and it doesn't feel right yeah but we don't have the words or the language to like put to it and we don't have people either like validating it even as a feeling either because then we're constantly like it took decades of me trying to trust myself Mm-hmm. and my instincts again because i've been yeah. told for so long that my instinct is wrong that's right that my intent and who i am is is, is not actually how how i'm portraying myself yeah. and it's just like such a split that just sucks but yeah i think i'm 
finally grappling through it. I know, right? <laughs> but it makes me like, yeah, I just want to like hug that nine-year-old that had no idea why like the teacher would constantly call on them to come to the front of the class and like would constantly pick on them. But yeah, you don't realize that that's racism until you're right. old. Right. When you're young, you don't know what that is. You're yeah. just like, just sucks. My teacher sucks. That's like all you could say. It's like my teacher's mean, she sucks. Right. Right. <laughs> you, you don't really know like why she sucks or he sucks, why that teacher sucks. <laughs> yeah. You can't name it, right? Or maybe, maybe some people can, but it's, some people can. It's if not, a, to, yeah. It's much different looking back as a sort of enlightened adult. Yeah, I just like knowing a little better, knowing yeah. more. Yeah. Um, completely unrelated. Uh, <laughs> if we aren't eating blank, then it isn't blank. If you're not eating ketchup, you're not having fries. Hello. Like the French fry is nothing but a vehicle for the sauce for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't have the sauce, the fry is just a, it's just a potato thing. That's right. like, nothing without the sauce. So yeah, you're not having French fries without without sauce. Do you like your ketchup cold or room temperature? I don't think it matters to me. I prefer it cold, which is weird. That's cool. Yeah. Like, I, like I, I turn down room temperature ketchup. <laughs> I mean, that's the part where I'm definitely addicted. Like, I love that high fructose corn syrup oh of the gosh. ketchup. Especially in stuff like that. That's what's wild. It's like, yes. for me, it's not candy. It's like ketchup, barbecue sauce, like that stuff, man. Poison. But poison. Yeah, but it's delicious poison. Oh, delicious poison. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's a celebration. How did you know your family was going all out with food? What restaurants did you go to? What plates came out of the cupboard? How big was the spread? We are Middle Eastern, we're Arab, so the spread is huge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mom's really planning stuff out. Or, you know, I'm planning stuff out if we're like pulling out the phyllo dough the night before, because that means we're going to bake some baklava. Yeah. And if we're going to bake some baklava, that means we're going to put a full on meal spread Yeah. before that baklava. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, there's certain things like if we take things out the night before, then it's, we're, we're, it's just going down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the meat is out in the fridge to defrost. Yeah. Um, and oh, oh, the garbanzo beans being on the stove because oh, it takes yeah. the day before to because we make the garbanzo beans from the dry beans. Never use yeah. the can. So they're soaking. Remember, avoid the pro the, the the avoid the 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 packaged things. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, so generally if there's like garbanzo beans like simmering on the stove, getting ready, that means that the hummus is gonna be made the next day. There's like a cookout gonna happen. We're gonna barbecue yeah. this thing up. Or, um, oh, oh, every season, uh, grape leaf season. Yeah. That's an event. Yeah. It's an event is finding the people with the grape leaves vines mm -hmm. and then going it's a ritual picking the grape leaves and then washing the grape leaves and then like making the rice and then like there'd always be like the meat one and then the veggie one because i like am veggie of course yeah. and then putting all the the, the the potatoes and the yummy stuff at the bottom of the pot
pot and then like oh. wrapping each each grape leaf i love a stuffed grape leaf yeah i mean i truly think that like all swana moms are like legit joint rollers as well <laughs> <laughs> like, right. like it came really easy to me i was like this is like boop, 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 done yeah. like i could do 400 of these in an hour <laughs> are you more of a, a fan of the cold stuffed grape leaves or the hot stuffed grape leaves <sighs> warm warm yeah. grape leaves fresh just cooked with yeah. a nice big clove of garlic not peeled or anything just right in the pot so then you're like buttery just peeling that garlic it just comes out of the clove out of its wrapper and just oh and just like fresh onion like Mm. two on like just fresh onion not cooked just like um yeah white onion (laughs) i've like changed what i want for like lunch dinner like 10 times during this now i'm like okay i need to get my hands on some grape leaves right now yeah i love that i love that um, this is probably related. Um, what food for you is home? What recipe do you hope is on the table when you visit family? So yeah, food in the morning mm-hmm. with family, with the cucumbers and the olives and the spread all on the table with some tea. Like it's just a special moment when the family yeah. comes together for breakfast. I love that. Like I love coming home and having breakfast with my family. It mm-hmm. feels like it's more closer than even than dinner or other things because like we just all wake up and then like, it's just a beautiful thing having breakfast when you're back at home and that involves food and you know whoever wants eggs or whatever um yeah and then I always like when I come home like I have a zatar mixture but it's nothing's like mom's so I always like you know go into the zatar immediately the moment I get home do you steal a jar to bring back always always I remember calling my mom and like asking her for shipments of like when I'm on the end of my stash and I'm like, you know, not living at home. I'm far away, away from home. And I'm like, mom, this I thought is getting low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I definitely have like my short list of like, while I'm home, can you make this? You know? <laughs> yes. So, oh, Ooh, the dessert of my fave. It's my favorite one of all time. It's called knefe, but when I was a kid, I used to call it ash cake. And I'd be like, mom, will you make me ash cake? Um, but yeah, it's like knefe. So it's like ricotta cheese. Yeah. And like mom does it healthy with the ricotta cheese. And then the shredded vermicelli noodley oh, things. Yeah. And then like baklava syrup is the sugar syrup that's made. Yeah. Yeah. I'll like be like, mommy, make me some ash cake. I, I want that it. too. I earned it. I know. I, I started this recording hungry. So I, know. <laughs> I wonder if I can mail you some stuff to Chicago. Ooh, I'll take it. <laughs> I could do the non-perishable ones. So like a taste of mom's zatar and a taste of zhurot. So you could have some of that like delicious calming tea. I'd be in heaven. I'd okay. be in heaven. Send me your address. I will. I won't say it on here because I don't want to say it now. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's a big one. Um, well, maybe. Fill in the blank. What Americans don't understand about blank is blank. It's really interesting how much white people have like colonized like India and the Middle East and they still didn't figure out how to put spices in their food. Like, <laughs> like all the spices you still yeah. like, third on and incorporate it. Like, yeah that's hilarious i'm like yeah, yeah. it's really wild it's, like, it's, it's, wild. Like a, it's a bad joke at the end of a, 
a, a very violent story, you know? Basically, like, especially in like California, like we're right next to Mexico and you'll just haven't figured out how to use peppers. Like it's just cracks. Yeah, it's hilarious to me. Um, I but wonder when that happened, like, cause that, like you pointed out, that wasn't the, the impetus, well, big impetus for colonizing uh, spaces in the Eastern hemisphere was spices, right? Spices, yeah. So when did people stop using it? And by that, I mean white people. Maybe the depression. Maybe. Actually. Maybe, so actually that makes sense. But yeah, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you would think all that, all that war for spices and your food's still boring. Yeah. Like, seriously, but it's very nicely decorated. The decor. All like your like Eastern European white cuisine, it's yeah. like it's immaculate, like really good on the decor decorating, like the touch things and decorating, yeah. things. but it's still bland inside. But like it looks really good though, it looks pretty. <laughs> Are there any bland foods that you secretly enjoy? You know what I really love is like like fettuccine Alfredo, but oh, it's yeah. like so far removed from like anything that could be Italian. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like you're like no like no like the jar of white sauce of that fettuccine with some like like regular enriched spaghetti that's yeah. such comfort right there yeah I mean the white sauce stuff is good like pizza and ranch yeah <laughs> the language yeah <laughs> love like just pizza like Domino's pizza. Oh ranch like I mean, come on <laughs> we uh we had the we would when i was in davis me and kevin yeah. would order Domino's a lot but we didn't like how the ranch container got hot from the pizza yeah so we would take that fresh one that had just come and put it in the fridge and then take the one from our last order out of the fridge to ensure that the ranch was cold and the pizza was hot wow we had a whole system going yeah pros my my favorite I I I love Hidden Valley Ranch. Um, yeah. But my favorite ranch I've ever dipped pizza in is actually like making the dip from the ranch packet. Oh yeah, stuff is legit. That's so good. Same with like French onion dip when people make it out of that paper pack of a French yeah. onion. Like, why is that so good? It's like so white. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> probably has some poison in it too right yeah there's no way it doesn't yeah for sure the poison is what makes makes us come back yeah. <laughs> well and actually i've talked about this this has come up a lot on this this podcast like also there's um a power to something tasting exactly the way you think it's going to yeah so like when i get a, a cheese pizza from domino's i know what it's going to taste like before i eat it yeah like, for that's sure. like half of the comfort right yeah and so like that ranch packet yeah that's a that's like a proprietary recipe yeah <laughs> that's gonna taste the same every time and there's something about that you know yeah which is like the inversion of the going home and it tasting the same right like the yeah going home sure. and it tasting right that's like really special and related to like lineage and family and love yeah. and so maybe the ranch packet is a replacement you know or, yeah same with like the craft mac and cheese box yeah <laughs> i mean come on you haven't chowed on a whole box like you eat the whole thing i'm eating the whole thing too like, sure. you don't not finish like the whole bowl of 
the box because it's not the always way. i eat like, the whole box the whole thing. Um, um, what's a food or cuisine that you found in your adult life that changed the way you thought about food last summer mm. i spent like a month and a half in mexico oh yeah and i spent like a few weeks in mexico city and a lot of time in san miguel Allende uh-huh. in like the city of guanajuato um and they eat bugs there oh yeah like crickets yeah. and like ant dishes yeah and i'm a vegetarian don't really like you know and i'm i'm even i'm very minimal on my on my dairy consumption uh yeah. and and milk consumption but you know I, i've actually i might make a conscious effort of going vegan i've been avoiding it because if you give up milk then you can become lactose intolerant like forever oh, i'm like don't know if i'm ready to give up gouda for the rest of my life hello I, you know i'm still looking for that ethical gouda yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know yeah. but um it made me really rethink and i gave it a shot i'm like i'm gonna eat the cricket and i ate the ant it's like a dish what is it called i don't know but it's it was at a really fancy restaurant but it was buttered like ant eggs uh-huh i yeah. ate it it didn't taste like terrible it was right. like kind of just buttery and it yeah. was nice with a cracker yeah. and it made me really rethink like how we eat food and how wonderful it would be if we could get over the fact that it's a bug and the whole like social construct of like ew gross you're eating bugs but really ew gross you're eating a cow and, right. a, pig and a chicken that was tortured like all oh, that's gross too like right. it's like just as gross and like you know people eat shrimp but you won't that has a casing or a lobster right. but that's an insect yeah. that it's also has a casing and a thing yeah. yes yeah, very fun funny how that is but it made me really rethink food and yeah. how the food industry would crumble like and capitalism within itself that's attached to the food industry would crumble mm-hmm. if we all decided to eat like the beautiful people in mexico yeah which is mainly off the land and, and like, of course there is meat, um, but there's different ways of like harvesting an animal or like, oh, that's such a weird word, harvesting. Yeah. Like, is it of like raising an like animal and like butchering an animal until the end of its life and like eating every part of the animal. Like I can respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then like the way that food is eaten there is very similar to, to like, uh, food habits in Lebanon and I think that it's just much better for the land yeah. it's much better for our bodies just all around made me really rethink um what is food mm-hmm. <laughs> and and who who said right who yeah. said what is the right yeah. food to that's eat that's right that's right yeah and that's such an important question because that question can help interrogate a lot of things right like yeah. it also can interrogate classism and like totally. Um, sort of anything in between that, yeah, who's benefiting from our definition of food also. Exactly. Interesting way to think about it. Oh my gosh. And then we can go into food inequalities into different neighborhoods. Who gets access to yes. healthy foods and yes. actual vegetables? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, there's so, there's, that's a whole, that could be a whole nother hour. <laughs> if at, at least. <laughs> we'll do that. In, we'll do that 2021. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, back to practice. What's your biggest recipe fail? I'm really bad at baking things in the oven. Uh-huh. 
like I'm really good at preparing foods. Like I really like that part, you know, as long as I'm occupied with the food, I'm good. But I have a very short and like an attention span to, to everything. Yeah. So like I will forget things on the stove and forget things in the oven. So I've burnt so much of everything. Yeah. That's my, my issue <laughs> is like, and I've had like friends and like roommates and partners and I've always asked them like, I will do all the pre-work, but please, please, you need to watch the timer mm-hmm. <laughs> and watch the food. I have yeah. a hard time with that. Yeah. Like measuring time. Is I really have a really hard time with time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I also just, this had been happening recently. I keep forgetting to set the timer. Yeah. I never set timers too. And then I'm like, uh. <laughs> and then you're trying to intuitively decide if something's done and like, that's not the best way. I mean, sometimes it is, but. It is if you're like, you know, it's in you. Yeah. You're doing it right. forever. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I don't need a timer for pasta. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's a uh, flip side of that question? What's a recipe hack that you found that you'll always stick with? I mean, all of my food that's like, it's maybe it's rooted in Lebanese food, but it's all like adjusted to dietary situations, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like the baklava that I make has like a significantly reduced amount of butter uh-huh. than others. And I also make it often with coconut oil. Oh. I just skip the butter. So it's basically- so How does that turn out? So it's vegan and it's yeah. delicious. So there's, I do a lot of adjustments to recipes. Um, and that's something that I've been like really looking into is my mom developed an allergy to tahini. Mm. It totally sucks. Cause it's in, yeah. like, we love tahini. Yeah. It's in food. It's like tahini yeah. is a staple, like olive yeah. oil. Um, but I've been looking into different kinds of butters. So like almond butters, peanut butters in different yeah. ways. And that you could make like hummus with like almond butter instead yeah. of and it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I really like, like, yeah, like finding ways to like make the recipe work for whoever is eating it. Yeah. Because everything could kind of become vegan. Yeah. Fried hard enough. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I did a Chex Mix this year for the holidays for a bunch of folks. Yummy. And um, I didn't know this that Worcestershire, I never say it right, but Worcestershire sauce has anchovies in it. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and so I was trying to make sure everything was at least vegetarian, but I ended up making it vegan. And yeah. also I made it gluten-free. So I only used the corn checks and the rice checks. And then I got mm-hmm. you know, gluten-free pretzels uh, to put in there. And, you know, for a millisecond, it was like, oh, this is going to be tough. And then I was like, no, it's fine. <laughs> And like, we think like, oh, well, people who aren't vegan don't want to eat vegan things, but actually that's not true. Not true at all. If it is true, it's about stigma. It's not actually about practice, right? uh, Yeah, absolutely not. And if you don't tell them like that, this is a vegan dish, they'll find it delicious and just eat it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I've discovered how amazing cashews are like a cheese. So like, like cashew butter. Yeah, cashew cheeses like is the best kind of vegan like cheese. I uh, yeah, I love a cashew cheese or any cashew yeah. product. So good. I'm a cashew freak though. I oh my, I eat them. Yeah. It'll be the hill I die on. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite things in the world is salted cashews on top of cottage cheese. 
Ugh. Well, that's just Joe. That's just Joe. <laughs> I also love salt too. <laughs> I love salt. That's an issue with mine with all my recipes. I sometimes often over salt. So yeah. I'm trying to avoid that. It's really dangerous. Yeah. Or not, well, it's dangerous, but I mean, like, it's like, um, it's really easy to over salt. Like if you aren't careful, you know? And then it like overpowers the food too. And I'm just yeah. Salt. My yeah. checks mix was a little too salty. I'll, I'll say it. I do love salt. I do. Yeah. Um, what chef or food practitioner do you recommend folks looking into? Your ancestors. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. Of course, not all of us are privileged to have to have contact with yes. our ancestors. Uh, but your cousins, your aunties, your uncles, your moms, dads, anyone around you. Uh, okay, yeah, Th- those are your food practitioners. Yeah. Those are the ones that, are, that show you the way. And um, it's really good, same with like herbal medicine and same with food medicine. Um, generally, if you use the medicine from the region of where you're fr- like uh, genetically, mm-hmm like predisposed from Mm -hmm. works better with your body interesting it feels like it does it feels like i'm connected to that herb because my my family's has been connected to that herb Uh with their bodies through generations connecting my body to it Mm. more intrinsically so which is the opposite of uh local honey right yeah yeah Totally. Like there's nothing, like, I think it like your, your body reacts to it differently when it comes from that land. But, um, yeah. Oh, and like being open to like your surroundings, like you're in Chicago around a lot of Middle Eastern folks and Indian food and different foods, like incorporating that and finding ways to put that like naturally within what you already eat. Mm-hmm. Like I love adding like spices to vegetables and just putting that in the oven. Game changer. So it's like that's it. Like it's all you need to do is spice your vegetables, people. Spice your vegetables. And like there was so many vegetables I thought I didn't like until I started cooking them like in the oven with spice on them instead of exactly. boiling them on top of the stove. You know, that's that's just that's what makes it nasty too. Yeah, is that like. It feels like with Americans, it's always either over, it's overcooked. Yeah. That it's mushy. Yeah. Like I, mushy vegetables are like, eh. Never should have entered the equation. No, it's like they mush it and then it's like not spiced enough. But like, if you like, don't make a mushy and like, yeah, it's not over oiling things. You mm-hmm. don't need that much. That's to true. Cook something. Yeah. You know? And then if you overdo it with the oils and the butters, it makes it soggy. And then you lose yeah. that like crisp. That's that, right what's so good yeah um what's a recipe that you highly recommend and what makes it special okay i'm just tired of people like with their chocolate hummus and their weird like creative hummus that's such an american thing too like you're like taco belling the food over here like it's like so good hummus is yeah they crossed the line you crossed the line there that's not okay like there's something about bastardizing and orientalizing like a whole culture like that is the american way but like i mean seriously chocolate hummus like i'm gonna give you the recipe no one should be spending money on sabra in any form and way anyways it's awful it's awful like and it's so easy to make it and 
I'll forgive you if you use a can. If you don't know how to make beans from scratch. The can is better than um, the plastic container. Yeah. yeah. Use the can. That's fine. Um, so just grab your garbanzo beans, your tahini sauce, your lemon juice, your olive oil, your pinch of salt, and if you wanted to, a garlic clove at the bottom. Yeah. Blender, food processor, ninja, whatever it is. Now you have your bucket of hummus for like 10 cents. Yes. Instead of spending $3 on this much of hummus of like whatever nasty that you don't even know what's in it. Like it's oh. like pickly. I can't. I don't like how it like when you open it, it's like textured on the top in a way yeah. that real hummus never would be, you know? Yeah. It's weird. Totally yeah. weird. So now that you know that it's literally just those four ingredients and it's so you easy. I mean, even if I don't have a blender, I'll like mush it with a fork and boom. So like, it's such an easy thing to do. It's such a shame. Like everyone should be making their own hummus. It's absolutely unnecessary for you to purchase it. Correct. <laughs> and like you said, it's like 98 cents. It is. <laughs> like you get the can. I don't know how much the can is. It's like two for a dollar. <laughs> you get a jar of tahiti sauce. Okay. That's a little pricey. That's pricier, but it lasts you a while. I, my, my jar will last me the whole year and I yeah. use it often. You don't need yeah. much. You're using like a half a teaspoon or like a, a tablespoon of tahini. Yeah, um, yeah no, it, yeah. It's like concentrated flavor yeah. and calories. It's so good. So concentrated. And then, and then boom. Yeah, olive oil, I guess. Always get the cold press extra version. Ooh, yeah. I agree. Uh, it's, it's important for like having raw olive oil delicious. Yes olive oil yeah. you know especially with za'atar and like hummus and all of this where it's like you're not cooking with it it's like raw mm -hmm. yeah cold press always the cold press mm. Mm. i could drink it yeah i don't know how much matters like how much virgin it is like yeah it, like, get like single version instead of the extra version or non-version yeah i mean i think the, like the thing my mom explained to me was like the yeah sort of the more raw you're gonna eat it the more virgin it should be okay so that's why I get the extra version because yeah. I'm like doing it raw. But yeah. cold oh. press makes a difference. Pick yeah. the cold press. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I can't wait to jump on Grubhub after this. <laughs> That's not a commercial for Grubhub. No. Um, uh, last question, believe it or not. Uh, what are you working on right now, food related or not, that you want to share with listeners? Um. And right now I just finished up a really huge uh, project in liquor stores that I'm working on. Yeah. yeah. So the, it was attached to 1111 at Creative Collective. They offered me a residency in November, which was really cool. And I kind of just made it a, a full thing. So I started it with a lecture series and it's all on how we observe each other and how we are observed in different spaces the surveillance state from from the internet age and you know, data collection to like how we treat each other um as minority groups within common spaces like the marketplace mm -hmm. um or a grocery store um so it was I split it up into five different conversations with different artists because it's just was such a big conversation to have yeah. so I, I needed to talk about it in a plural sense because mm -hmm. 
we grapple with in, in so many different aspects of our lives. And then I kicked off into like a physical residency mode where I went to every liquor store and like gathered sounds and images of all their signs and spoke to the owners and the employees and really tried to get to know them. All of this done, was done in the San Fernando Valley of Southern California. And it was important for me to investigate liquor stores in the valleys of California, like San Fernando or the San Joaquin Valley in Northern California, because it's in those spaces where like, the intersections of race, class, age, gender, all of them come together within these like super common public spaces of the valley. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's like really important for us to address different than the city like LA or New York, or I can imagine like the main city in Chicago where it's like, we think we're liberal, but we're actually quite segregated. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the, the, the Latina community, you have the black community, you have the Middle Eastern community over here, you have this, and it's like, we're quite segregated, but in the yeah. valley, we're together. Yeah. Interesting. It's really cool to like investigate those parts because the outskirts of the main cities where everyone's like pushed to the side, um, just like it's a really play, it's a cool place uh, to investigate. Like there's yeah. a lot of it. Um, and that will go- carry into an exhibit online one and I'll send you the link. Oh yeah, please do. Yeah, and that will be uh, in January. So we're planning an online exhibit in January about all the things that I made in regard to the subject. So it's just like organizing things. It is COVID era. So figuring out how to do everything online, but still make it cool. So it's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> like boring. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you, you could go to www.1111acc.org slash air a-i-r um and you'll find more information on the residency and then you can always look at my website um it's my name www.zeimabaltagi.com and like i try to keep it updated like every three to six months it's yeah (laughs) you know but yeah and you can sign up for my newsletter send me emails whatever slide into my instagram dm (laughs) <laughs> that's how i got you on here so i know it works I answer. <laughs> well zena thank you so much for being here and for having this incredible conversation with me thank you so much for having me i loved having it and it's good to see your face i want to thank you for joining me on mirepoix podcast and thank our house band siblings for the use of their song jars I want to invite you to subscribe to support Mirepoix directly on Anchor and to follow me on Instagram where you can receive behind-the-scenes content about this podcast and my own food practice. Till we feast again. <laughs>